0: We started a new sermon series we're calling Sacred, and it's on the spiritual disciplines. The disciplines are this very unique way, this certain set of practices that allow us to connect with God at a deeper level than we would able, be able to otherwise. He makes us an amazing invitation. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, he says this. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they with me. I mean, can you imagine? Is that mind blowing or what? That God, the God of the universe, would want to talk to me, share a meal with me, be around me, and to commune with me. I mean, what an amazing promise of God. So, the spiritual disciplines are those things that we do that are the equivalent of opening the door that Jesus is knocking on. So, God is saying to us, Look, I want to have a relationship with you. So, I'm here at the door knocking. And if you'll open the door, I'll come in and we can spend time together. So we've talked about prayer and we've talked about meditation. Today, we're going to be looking at Bible study and how it helps us grow in Christ. So we talked last week about how God wants all of all of us. You can see it in what's called the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That God wants us to love him with everything that we have and everything that we are. The spiritual disciplines do that. In particular, Bible study is that mind part. Bible study is where we engage our minds in our quest to love God with everything. Now, it's going to take work. It's going to take concentration. It's going to take diligence, and that runs some people away. I think people see the spiritual disciplines a lot of the time like we think it's a hobby or something. So, it's a little bit like, oh yeah, I'm a runner, or I'm a hiker, and that's great that you're a runner, but I like to hike, or I like to play soccer, or I like to do this, or I'm a fitness person, or I'm a, into gardening. Uh, and so that's, I'm glad you like that stuff, but that's for others. We really do ourselves a disservice when we look at the disciplines that way, and in particular, when we think, oh, I'm just not a Bible person, or I'm just not a Bible study person, because the Bible is the self-revelation of God. It's where God speaks to us. It's a, an opportunity for a dialogue of the spirit, but a monologue of the mouth. It's a place where God speaks and we listen and we do the work up here. We allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 puts it. Calvin Miller remarks well, he says, mystics without study are only spiritual romantics who want relationship without effort. And so there are a lot of people that just say, that's great, but it's hard. It's tough. And so I'm very, very uh, reticent to get involved with that. I'd rather do something that I, quote, unquote, enjoy more. But what Scripture does can't be replaced any other way. It gives God a constant, clear voice in our lives. Scripture tells us the truth that sets us free, and it calls us to change. It gives us this really important question. When I read the Bible and I hear a story or I read a set of exhortations or I hear Jesus teach at the Sermon on the Mount, I get to ask myself this question. If I took that scripture seriously, what in my life would need to change? I want to tell you a story today. So I have a young boy king. His name's Josiah. And I think in here it's one of those stories in the Bible that's a little bit lesser known. But it's a story that many people look at and say that really captures the value of Scripture uh, in a person's life. Josiah was the whopping age of eight years old. Now, I want you, those of you who are parents of eight-year-olds, take a look at them right now. Or if they're around that age, and look at them and picture them as a king. Josiah became king of Judah at the ripe old age of eight. And in 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23, where this story is told, and feel free to get the Bible app or your Bible out there, One of the amazing things that happens is 18 years into Josiah's reign, so he's somewhere around 26 years old, he sends orders to do some modifications on the temple. The temple, you may remember, is that place where the the presence of God was seen to dwell. It was a place of worship for the Israelites. It was a place where the high priest was known to hang out and to help perform certain acts of worship on behalf of the Israelites. Well, the temple apparently was falling into some sort of disrepair, and so Josiah said, hey, let's go pass the hat and get uh, the treasury gathered together and do some modifications on the temple. So when the temple uh, offering was kind of taken up, and as they were going around passing the hat for that, an old book is found as they're doing the modifications on the building. It's found by the high priest himself. His name's Hilkiah. Hilkiah takes this old book, seems to look at it, as something he hasn't seen before, which is a little bit surprising since it turns out to be the book of the law. Most scholars think it's the book of Deuteronomy. So you have the high priest who doesn't seem to know what he's got his hands on, finally takes the time to read it and goes, this is amazing. Well, yes, it is, Hilkiah. He thinks it's so amazing that he then goes to Shaphan, who is Josiah the king's secretary, and says, Shaphan, you need to share this with Josiah. So Shaphan takes it, Shaphan reads it, Shiphon goes, this is incredible. This is the greatest thing I've ever read. Takes it to Josiah. So he finally gets it there to uh, Josiah. And what does Josiah think of it? Well, I want to read this scripture to you. This is 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 11 to 13. There the text says, When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robe. Okay, so he's tearing his clothes. That's a sign of mourning in the ancient world. He tears his robes, and he gave these orders. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and the people uh, and for all Judah about what is written in this book that's been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. So Josiah's terrified, maybe a little bit. He's upset. He's upset. And one of the things that becomes very clear is when you read, especially if it's Deuteronomy, you're reading that the Ten Commandments are in there. There's a whole slew of other laws that lead you to believe, hey, we're supposed to be practicing certain kinds of festivals like the Passover. Uh, We're supposed to be obeying the Sabbath. We haven't done any of that. Uh, We've got all sorts of uh, idols going on. And What we find is that really, at the time, Judah is an absolute dumpster fire spiritually. There is all sorts of crazy stuff going on there. And so Josiah hears it and does something that we ought to think about doing when we encounter the word of God. He responds immediately. So he institutes sweeping reforms. Now, if you want to know how bad things have gotten, we well, can get a taste for that. Just a little taste uh, by reading 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 6 and 7. It says this. He took the Asherah pole. Now, let's just stop right there. An Asherah pole is used as an object of worship to other gods. Now, having read Deuteronomy, he knows that that is not a good thing. That is no bueno in the eyes of God. So we'll just start there with the Asherah pole. Where? From the temple. So the Asherah pole is actually in the temple. That's really not good. So he takes the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem, and he burned it there. He ground it to powder, and he scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. He also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes. Okay, wait, 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 hold on. Go back one slide. He also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes. And where were those? oh those were in the temple too. So let's take stock. We got asher poles, we got male shrine prostitutes, and, drum roll, please, that were in the temple of the Lord, the quarters where the women did weaving for Asherah. Okay, so now you've got the Asherah pole, you've got the male shrine prostitutes, and you've got women actually sewing together offerings for Asherah. Okay, so that's where we're at. You have massive idolatry, you have prostitution going on inside the temple. Now, how does that happen? How does it get to be so bad that Hilkiah the high priest hadn't really, he didn't even know where the book of God's law was. Much less actually open it up and do his job. He had one job. That is to make sure that he's attending to God's people on behalf of God. That's what makes you Hilkiah the high priest. He had one job. So he's so far removed from it, he doesn't even know where the book of the law is. He seems surprised at how Outstanding of a book it is, you know, a must read for him. And he sends it forth. And then you've got all this stuff going on inside the temple. How in the world did that happen? How did they go from having David as their king to this? How did they go from being God's chosen people, from being this place uh, where God's name was revered, a place where the temple of God himself was built? How do you get from that to this? Well, the moral of the story actually seems to be that's who we become in the absence of the word of the Lord in our lives. That if we essentially duct tape the mouth of God or cover our ears and eyes, figuratively speaking, to the word of God, that we lose the light to guide us. That we don't have what we need to actually continue to live and walk in godliness. So, as we're looking at what Bible study does in the life of the believer, let's begin here with this. Scripture keeps the light on. What do I mean? Well, the Bible tells us that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Josiah now sees something he didn't see before. It was like he was walking in darkness and now he, quote unquote, sees the light. It, his path is enlightened that he sees, oh my goodness, we've been totally messing this up. We've totally blown it in the eyes of God. He now sees what the light has shown him and he's mortified that he and the people have been walking in darkness like this. He, he has all of the idols taken away amongst all the reforms that he does. He has all the idols removed. He kills all the priests of the cults that are involved. He reinstitutes the Passover feast, which hadn't been taken in years. And he tears down all of the altars on which people were, get this, sacrificing their children To the god Molech. So, to say that things have gotten out of hand in Judah is to put it very mildly. And then what he does is he gathers all the people together. And they have essentially a version of story time with Josiah. He sits them down and he uh, reads the book of the law to them, and they all together pledge themselves to the covenant. I mean, what an awesome thing. Everybody standing together, recommitting themselves to God. He wants them to hear. He wants them to understand. He wants the same light that had fallen upon his own eyes and on his own path to fall upon theirs as well. So he could have just simply, he's the king, he can just give the edict and they can obey, but he wants them to get it too. He wants them to hear what he heard. Why? Because he'd learned already that when the Bible is out of sight, it's out of heart as well. The Bible goes out of sight, out of mind. If it's out of mind, it's out of heart as well. I mean, when one does the math, if you take the circumstantial evidence that's there in the story and you put it all together, it appears that it had been 57 years since the book of the law was last read. I mean, imagine that, 57 years 57 years. I mean, some people, I guess, if you're a person who thinks, I guess, a little bit lowly of the Bible, you might go, well, so what? Big deal. Well, let's talk about why it matters so much. Scripture has intrinsic worth because it's God's self-revelation. So it's important, if for no other reason, that it helps us discover God. But what it, what's missing here in Josiah and in the lives of Judah isn't just that uh, bible study is missing or uh, it's the way of life that bible study instructs us in that's what goes missing because when god doesn't have his voice in our lives when he's out of sight when he's out of mind and when we're not being told the truth about who we are who he is about what in our lives might need to change uh well we end up where they ended up for josiah After all, it wasn't that he didn't want to obey God. He just didn't know what he was supposed to obey and what he wasn't supposed to obey. Now, Hilkiah, the high priest, he should have known better. Again, he had one job. You need to know where the book of the law is. You need to help the people practice what's in the book of the law. You need to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. None of that had happened. So whether it was the observation of the Sabbath being violated or the festivals, which the Passover and festivals like that, do, they form a very similar uh, function in the lives of God's people. They call to mind what God has done and what he has said. So when the Passover comes around every year, even to this day, Jews will take out the book, they will open it, they will read it, and they will recall what God has done. And that's to be celebrated on the regular because, because... It keeps God's voice in our lives, and it keeps our memories fresh. Out of sight, out of mind, out of mind, out of heart. The absence of Scripture in the life of a believer is like the absence of food. It's what sustains and nourishes our hearts. And so it's there in the Word of God, hearing it, putting it into practice, asking that ever-important question, if I took this seriously, what in my life would need to change? You know, you may have had that experience of getting on social media or something like that, and you see that you have a notification, and it says on Facebook or some other thing, hey, you got a friend request from so-and-so. And And you stare at it at first, and you're like, huh, I think I know that guy or that gal. I haven't talked to him in 30 years. You know, and it's kind of like, "Oh, oh, yeah, okay, it's a little weird maybe, but I'll go ahead and do that. And you You click on it and and now you think you're you're friends again right they're like this friend rando that that you know you've met at some point in the past but but you haven't talked to in years and you're kind of thinking to myself i still want to be friends with this person i mean i think a lot of people think that they can just kind of show up at the reunions if you know what i'm saying and, and kind of touch base with god and keep that relationship going but as we talked about in revelation 3 that's not really what he's after He's after all of all of us. I mean, heart, mind, soul, strength, everything. And the way that that transformation takes place and that truth-telling that I need to hear about who I am, about who God is, about what in my life might need to change, and that I have a God and a Heavenly Father who's willing to forgive me of my sins and help transform me into the likeness of His Son, that is something I need. That's not something that I have to have, uh, it's not a duty, it's necessary. It's like food and oxygen to the soul. Secondly, it's hard to hear God's voice when we've covered our ears. Now, keep in mind, Josiah here does something very great, very good. He hears it and then he takes it to heart. Now, there are a couple of different kinds of what you might call biblical illiteracy. The first is what Josiah has here, which is, I just don't know anything about the Bible. I've never read it. Uh, I don't know what it says. I don't know how to even really understand it or whatever. It's it's a matter of simply not knowing, okay? There's another uh, that's a little bit more common among Christians, which is to do one of two things with it, either form a flat view of the Bible where everything that one reads inside the Bible is of equal importance, pretending there is no greatest command. There Uh, There are not Ten Commandments, that that everything that you read in there is of equal value, so that makes it hard for me to know where I'm supposed to put the emphasis in my own life. Another is to do the equivalent of the Pandora Bible, or when you're listening to your favorite music app and you have the thumbs up, thumbs down feature. Uh, you just take it and you read it, and, it, and if it tells you what you want to hear, then you like it and you remember it and you, you preach it and you put it out on your Instagram. Uh, and if you don't like it, if it challenges you, if it pushes you or whatever, you just kind of try to put it out of sight, out of mind, or you say, ah, you know, that was, that was back then, it's not today or whatever. And so we go very selectively through the Bible and thus rip pages out emotionally of the Bible itself. All of those things rob us of what Scripture does in our hearts and in our minds when we're reading it openly before God, honestly before God, and, and then trying to put it into practice. Because again, think about this. This is the self-revelation of God. So when I read this, I am getting the actual character of God. I'm getting his, in his, um, all of his self-revelation and vulnerability before me saying this is who i am tim i get to see him as he is and because he's altogether beautiful and amazing and good i want to know as much of him as i can and i need to because he's more honest than i am he's more righteous than i am he's just gooder than i am you know hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So when you get into the Bible, don't be surprised how it might change your life. The story of Josiah reminds us that scripture has transforming power. And that even in just the hearing of the Bible, that can change people. And that our goal isn't simply to go through the Bible, it's to let the Bible go through us. It's to let it refine us, to let it heighten our spiritual senses so that day by day we can walk by its light. So how do we do that? Well, at the church level, we try to provide every opportunity that we can for people to hear Scripture. To, to That's why we send out daily text updates to people and we preach from the Bible on the weekends. And we offer opportunities to study in growth groups and other things because God's Word deserves and and uh, has earned a place in the life of everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. I mean, did you notice that Josiah took the people out and then read to him? This is 2 Kings 23, verses 2 and 3. He takes everybody out. I mean, every man, woman, child, beast, everything. They, they just bring everybody out here. And keep in mind, there are no copies back then. There's not like you had, oh, yeah, you know, just print out another one or I'll download it on Kindle or something. That's not how things went back then. There were no copies. He didn't pass one out to everybody and have them read along. He gathers the whole nation and he reads it to them. He wants them to hear and to understand for themselves and in the same way. You know, God desires for us to spend time with him through his word. So it's hard to do God's will when you don't know what it is. And so scripture gives us the opportunity to do that very thing, to open the word of God to study it, to let it nourish us, and to transform us. So just as Josiah and the people of God become aware uh, upon hearing the word of God that they need to change, maybe you do too. Maybe you're saying, okay, I get it. I get it. And maybe I need to turn to Jesus. Maybe there are some reforms that need to go on in my life. This needs to be torn down. This needs to be uh, done away with. Maybe this book that I just found needs to be opened and read. I mean, most churches do, I think, a pretty good job of teaching the Bible to people, but without a really clear picture of why exactly it's important for them to do so. So that, you know, Christians can kind of become really dependent on this once-a-week feeding from the church and never really develop that discipline of self-feeding. The ability to just sit down with God's Word on your own and let it nourish you on a daily basis, or at least very frequently. You know, we want to be a place where... We serve good and healthy spiritual food. We don't want to be a place that creates a maybe a spiritually codependent kind of situation here where uh, without the church, you don't know how to study the Bible. You don't know how to pray on your own. You don't know any of that stuff. We want everybody that's a part of New Vintage Church to be able to self-feed. Now, we're happy to do that and provide the best banquet we can every time we get the chance. But if you're really going to grow in Christ, you're going to have to do it more than once a week or once a month You're going to have to do it if the opportunity presents itself, whenever it presents itself, to say, I want to know more about God. I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to know what his will is, and I want to take it deep into my bones. Churches are typically, again, really good at conveying information to people. We can teach people the name of the apostles. I mean, we're great. We teach cool songs, man, that you can memorize as a kid and it helps impart the information to you. But if it stops there and all you do is know the names of the apostles, but you don't know how God moved in the lives of the apostles, then we've missed the point. The point of the Bible is not to be able to win the Bible trivia game. The point of the Bible is to see, do what happens here in the life of Josiah and the whole nation of Judah at the time to be able to watch God's word penetrate the deepest parts of our hearts, to wake us up and help us understand that something in us needs to change and that God's spirit is beckoning us to a different kind of life. I'm going to teach you just very quickly what you might call the Josiah method of reading scripture. It's super basic. It's super easy. It comes right out of 2 Kings 22 and 23. Uh, The Josiah method looks like this. You see these five points right here. Find, meaning if you don't have any access to the Word of God, then it's going to be hard to read it, right? So we're going to find it. Finding it means I download the Bible app and I've got it there. Maybe I've got a, a traditional leather-bound Bible as well, uh, but I have it. I have access to it, okay? So once I have it, okay, then I'm, my job's to hear it. Hearing, you can do it literally by hearing it, by doing it, playing it on Audible or something like that. Or hearing it just simply means I'm reading it, it has a voice in my life so i'm getting it out and i am reading it okay then it's time to reflect and when i mean reflect that means i'm sitting here and i'm asking some really important questions about what it means i'm not going to jump to the question what does it mean for me first okay i can get there but the first thing that i need to ask is what is god saying to them when this was written what was he trying to say to them and then once I have that, then I can apply it to my own life. But I'm willing to take the time to reflect on that text and say, okay, if that's true, what in my life needs to change? So for instance, if I were reflecting upon the story of Josiah, I should spend some time thinking about, okay, what in my life needs to change? Is the Bible, would I even know where to find a Bible if I wanted one? Just like he didn't had no idea the book of the law was even in the temple. Uh, what place does the word of God have in my life? Uh, have I been, uh, for instance, if I'm a parent and I have my own little you know, dominion there inside my house, have I been too tolerant of the behavior of my kids uh, or those who are living under our roof to go ahead and bring all this stuff into a place that God designed to be in all its imperfections, still a place that was devoted to him? Is there something I need to tear down, something I need to get rid of? Uh, is there some sort of reform that needs to go on in my life? Right. Those are reflective questions. And then, act. So Josiah hears it. He understands what it means, right? And then he does something. He goes through with sweeping reforms. He applies it by instituting all these different reforms. And then he prays. And he asks God for forgiveness. And he does it with all the people there. And he asks God to forgive him and to forgive the people for what they have done. And he invites him to, again, move in power among them. Fine. hear, reflect, act, pray. I mean, it sounds simple. I know it does, and, and uh, it's, it is simple in a certain way. And in another way, it is going to require us to be honest. It's going to require our minds to be activated, that we're worshiping God, not just with our heart and our soul and our strength, but we're doing it with our mind as well. So I'm willing to get up uh, and to read. I'm willing to listen, and I'm listening with an ear toward That all-important question, if I took this seriously, what in my life would need to change? So God's word, God's voice is there to be obeyed. It's that, the knowledge of the truth that Jesus says that sets us free. The truth sets us free. And God's voice coming through the scriptures is a great source of truth in our life. That's what freedom is. That's what the truth does to us. So I'll give you an example. If you're reading a text, for instance, and it says... Uh, in Acts 2, around verse 38, hey, uh, you know what? They were cut to the heart and they asked Peter, what should we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And you're reading that. And you know the church has a baptism Sunday coming up. Here's how this could go. I'm reading it. Guess what? I'm, I already have the Bible in my hands. I'm reading it. I'm hearing it. I heard what God just said. I'm going to reflect. Okay, have I ever been baptized or not? I have. Okay, great. I had a good response to it. When was I, you know, what's my connection to that baptism? Did, did I really turn my life over at that point? No, I haven't been baptized yet. Why haven't I been? Why haven't I been? Being honest about that, you're in the act of reflection. And then taking action off of that, well, because I just never got around to it, okay? Well, don't let it sit there and go, well, I should have, but I didn't so well. Okay, the Josiah method, I'm working my way through. But the job is to act in obedience, So I sign up and I go, and I give my life to Jesus in baptism or whatever it is, right? And then I pray, God, thank you for the opportunity to give my life to Jesus in such a beautiful way. God, cleanse me of my sins. God, I look forward to walking with you in a new way. See, these things are designed to give life, not take it away. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. And it's him that we remember now. We're going to gather around the Lord's table. And with bread and cup, we remember him. And we do it in part because he asked us to do it in remembrance of him. And he did it in the scriptures. And as a Bible-believing church, we do it. It's a way of remembering him and remembering what he's done for us and remembering that he was, among many things that he was, he was the master teacher. There has never been a greater teacher. And so today, as we gather around the table, let's pray to God, Lord, teach us. Teach us. And... Open our ears and open our eyes. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, God who created the world and who sustains us by his love, uh, Father, your power we know is among us. And as we remember Jesus now with bread and with cup, Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in Scripture. Thank you for revealing yourself most perfectly in your Son, Jesus. And thank you, Father, for caring enough about us to want for us to open the door so you could come in and you could eat with us and that we could continue to grow in you every single day of our lives. Forgive us, Father, for putting your word out of sight and out of mind. Give it a place at the core of who we are and in our lives. We pray this now as we take the bread and the cup. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mm PIANO PLAYS